back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by Kyle Porter. We have so much to get into. We have shirtless Gundy. We have an <laughs> exhilarating homecoming game. We got Ricky Fowler hitting golf balls off backboards. I don't know where to start, Kyle. Where would you like to start? Uh, we, we yeah, there, there's you and I are both pretty fired up about doing this. Um, I guess with the the shirtless one with Gundy, let's start there. Yeah, we have to start there, don't we? Uh, that was good for the blog, wasn't it? You guys made the rounds on the uh, internet. <laughs> it was. Uh, I, I got multiple emails from people associated with ESPN uh, asking uh, to use the uh, the photograph that Jackson Jackson Lavernway, our photographer, took of of Gundy doing really the. Uh, it was it was his "Are you entertained?" pose with his shirt off in Gallagher Iba with. He said it was ten thousand people. I don't know if it was that many people, but um, just it, it was an it was an iconic moment in his career. I mean, I, it sounds that sounds dumb, like it sounds crazy, but we're gonna remember that for a long time. I feel like and that's what Gundy said, didn't he? He said he remembered high school pep rallies, <clears throat> pep rallies yeah. when he was at Midwest City, and how he still remembered a coach doing something crazy. So he decided to do that. Did you let ESPN use it? Because that that happened to me with the. Uh, Iowa State flag plant video. I had like every network under the sun calling me wanting to use it. I said, "You can use it if you put my name on it." So yeah, you- no, I yeah, I didn't, I didn't care. I mean, the the it had our watermark on it, and just yeah, I was like, whatever. I don't, I don't. It's not, <laughs> it's not my world. It's not, I'm, that's not, that's not my box that I'm in. So if they want to use it, so be it. But uh, you have a a theory or multiple theories. I don't know. You've, you've, you've cooked up some, some stuff on this, uh, on, on this Gundy Rudolph thing. What, what, what was your first thought whenever you saw it? Well, my first instinct was Gundy finally found a reason to take his shirt off. He had talked about (laughs) it since the central Michigan game. So obviously he had been wanting to take his shirt off and show off his dad bod for, for quite a while. Not a dad bod. Yeah, not a, what? Not not a dad bod. It's it's a he's fit. No, he's he's cut. He's probably more cut than Mason, which is shocking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have a theory on Gundy, and it, it ties into the mullet and him taking his shirt off. Are you ready for it? Yeah, let's hear it. I mean, Gundy may be fifty years old. He may be a father of children, <laughs> but to his core. He still thinks he is the Mike Gundy that showed up to Stillwater in a Trans Am with that gold chain he still wears. Yeah. He still thinks he is QB1 of Stillwater. He still thinks all the sorority girls still think he's cute and think he's hot. And <laughs> he, so, and here's the deal he, he wanted to grow a mullet, like, he wanted to grow long hair. And he makes up this thing about his son and how it's going to embarrass him at school. Like, what kid's going to go up to Mike Gundy's kid and go, hey, your dad's got a mullet. He's an idiot. No. Little Gundy's going to be like, my dad is the highest paid state employee. He makes $4 million. Do you want <laughs> Do you want tickets? Do you want tickets to this game or not? Kids are running up to him asking for tickets, not making fun of his dad's haircut. So he makes up this... I'm embarrassing my kid thing. He just wanted to grow his long hair back that he had when he played because he's he's still he's still rocking it, man. He still thinks he's QB one, and so he's, that's why he still wears a gold chain. Yeah, it, it's a great theory, and and I think that um, I think it has some merit, and I think part of it has to do with doesn't part of it have to do with like just the, the the town of Stillwater, like just not having left. I, I know he went to Maryland and he went to Baylor and, and he coached at other places, but Stillwater's got this, and I, I wrote about this a little bit over the weekend, but it's got this um, almost like a, like a high school feel to it, you know, like, like the Oklahoma state football program. I, I know it's a, I know it's a big time program. I know their athletic department made $94 million last year or whatever, whatever it was. But there's certainly, and this is this is true of a lot of a lot of college towns. But it's a it's a small time feel, it's a big time program with a small town feel, and I think that plays into it. And he basically said all this. He said, you know, I I miss pep rallies. I miss a, a high school assemblies. It's like, who like 
that's like it's such a just a bizarre thing to to he uh, misses being big man on campus yeah like he was at midwest city high like he yeah. was in stillwater and i'm not done with my theories kyle the oh, shirtless okay. thing okay shirtless keep, thing keep going well hold on real quick what did you think about the criticism of oh well nick saban would never do this uh, urban meyer would never do this what, what did you think about that who cares what those two no fun guys would do? Like that isn't that what makes Mike Gundy special in a way that he doesn't take himself too seriously that yeah. he's not a drill sergeant. Like that I think that's why guys like playing for him cuz he has fun and he you know doesn't take himself too serious. So I, anyone that has that take just needs to get off their high horse. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, but back keep, to the, the shirtless thing. You know, after the Central Michigan game, his big thing was, I should have taken my shirt off and laid up midfield. Well, he's obviously been looking for a reason to take his shirt off and show off his chiseled physique for quite some time. So much like the the mullet thing where he made up this thing with his kid, he makes up this bet with Mason. Like, even Mason was like, we did not have a bet or a pact. Like, Mason said when he started talking, he's like, oh, God, he's going to make something up. And he <laughs> so he makes up this this pact with Mason to take his shirt off. And like, so Mason finally, like he gets the crowd into it. Gundy starts dancing, which was great. And then Mason takes his shirt off and not like a 10th of, of a second later, Gundy's shirt's already off. Like he didn't even like, he was like, all right, this is off. So I can take mine. Like, he could not <laughs> wait to take his shirt off. And I'm all for it. Hey, if you got the bod and you want to show it off to all the student body, go for it. I just, it's funny to me how he creates these, these things, things to do what he really wants to do like he can't just do it he kind of built these facades into why he did it it's just it's just funny to me uh student body would have been a great headline by the way um oh that is a great body. a great not a great body a great headline <laughs> <laughs> whoa god my world there for a second the best part to, to go along with you, you i think you're right i think you're right on both accounts in in some ways um or in, in i think I th- yeah i just think you're right he still wears a gold chain <laughs> kyle he's rocking the gold chain he wore at midwest city high okay so the best part of the entire series of events that led to him taking his shirt off was and and you had to watch closely you had to go back and, and rewatch it a couple times Rudolph comes up to him right before they take their shirts off. And you could tell he's like, he's very confused about the whole thing. He, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't know what's happening. He's, he's out of his world, etc. And he says, are, are, you, are you taking your shirt off? Are, are we, do, are we doing this? Like he, he, he's very like nervous about the whole thing. And Gundy looks at him. He goes, yeah, 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 we're doing this. <laughs> and and like Rudolph said it to him in a way that he didn't want the mic the microphone to pick it up, but it still did because Gundy was was holding it like next to his <laughs> chest. And the, the 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 like I think that right there basically proves what you're talking about because Gundy said in his press conference on Monday he said, "Yeah, I said well after he took his off, I guess I guess I got to do this. I got but he didn't think about it. It was already off, like you said. He he was." He was basically sacrificing Mason Rudolph at the altar of wanting to remove his shirt in front of 10,000 people. <laughs> exactly. This is what he wanted. He wasn't to, it wasn't to pump up Mason by any means. And it, it kind of reminds me of that exchange you just told me about, which I didn't notice at first or until you just told me. It reminds me of like my dad when I was like just tall enough to ride like the big roller coaster at Frontier City. Like I had the loop that I was scared to death of. And he was like, we're doing it. And I, I was kind of looking, I'm like, are you sure? Are we really going to do this? <laughs> like, It's like your dad trying to get you to go on the big ride for the first time. It was did you, very similar. Did you read my 10 thoughts on Homecoming Weekend? Yeah. I, I said that. I said it's it's that exchange is like, I've heard my dad say yeah like that a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing this. Like it, it was put, put your it, big boy pants on. Oh, it off. was so <laughs> funny. Like the whole thing was. It, it was it was incredible. Like, I, how, about, I, how about Gundy mispronouncing Walter Walter uh, Scheid? <laughs> well, he should have just said eighty two. Yeah, you know we got eighty two. We got nineteen. What if he just would have called him Jimmy John? We got <laughs> we got Jimmy John here. 
We that got, wouldn't have been uh, cool, I guess. We got 70, who, Darian Daniels, 70, what is he, 74, 70, 79, I don't, I don't 79. Know. 79, yeah. Yeah, he should just stick to the numbers on defense. Um, yeah, but, incre- but I, incredible weekend. I, like, and- I was in Dallas for OU Texas while this was happening. I was waiting to go live at the fair. And the thought that entered my mind, Kyle, seeing all the shirtless stuff and Twitter going crazy was just, this is why it's so cool having an alum as your head coach. A guy who just gets yeah. Stillwater gets, you know, he, he thought it was so cool to see Gallagher Iba full. Like, there's not very many coaches that could Im- could, could really understand. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, I think there's a deeper bond between Coach Gundy and the OSU fan base just because he played quarterback there, he's been there forever, and he, he just gets OSU. And that's the really cool thing. I, that was my big takeaway, which is this is why Gundy can never leave. Because he's he's an OSU guy through and through. Well, and now he's not going to the new contract. Um, he'll be there until the presumably the end of his career. And uh, yeah, it's uh, so as much as we like to make fun of him, I thought it was I thought it was awesome, and I thought that um, it's just it just reiterates in my mind why it's so great to have him as you know the head coach. Yeah. The the original QB one of Stillwater, as he had to remind Mason. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, and and my whole point with with all of this is like, um, I completely forgot what I was going to say. I don't I don't remember what my point was. Um, I'm I'm lost. I feel lost. You lost in the lost in the Gundy sauce. <laughs> oh, when people okay, here's my point. When people say urban would never do this say like 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 who cares like people get so serious and self-righteous about college football games and it's like yeah it's a big deal because there's a lot of money at stake and there's a lot of people whose jobs uh are are you know on the line at stake go go to work every day but it's college. Like the, like col- you, you and I talk about this a lot, but college was about having memorable experiences. This is my whole deal with, you should play Florida state to open the year. You should put, you should go, you should have a home and home with LSU or Georgia. Like college football is about having great experiences. And I know that there's a business side to it, but this was a really cool experience for everybody involved. Like it, people will remember homecoming because of, not just the game, but and and maybe even more so, they'll remember what happened in Gallagher that night. It was crazy. It was hilarious. The whole deal. And I'm with you. I'm all for it. I, I think it's great. And you know, Gundy said it earlier this year. If you're winning, it's fun. You can do it. If you're not winning, it's not as funny. You can't really can't really go down that road. Well, and wouldn't wouldn't people argue that oh, Bob Stoops would have never done this, right? People would argue that. Well, do they forget when? <laughs> Bob Stoops and his coaching staff dressed up for Halloween at a practice. Yeah. Like when Bob Stoops walked in the locker room wearing like a Yoda mask, which was kind of weird, but it was an attempt to be, have fun. Like this is fun. It's college football. It's not life and death. So totally agree. agree. Um, okay. We, we've got a guest, um, somebody who knows Mike Gundy fairly well. Uh, we're going to call Clint Shelf. And uh, talk about the homecoming game with him, and uh, yeah, see what he thinks about Mike Gundy taking his shirt off. So it's time for the Coop Works guest of the week. Coop Works bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde for your next watch party, tailgate, or get together with friends. Enjoy a cold Coop Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Um. What, what what kind of questions do you have for for uh, Chelf Carson? Well, he's he's one in Austin where the Cowboys are going this weekend. So I'm interested to hear his take on just what it's like going there and playing a game, and obviously all the Gundy stuff. And uh, interested to hear his take on some of the quarterbacks on the roster as well. Okay, uh, we're calling him, so he should be joining us shortly. I, I I think those are yeah, I think those are all relevant questions. I'm excited to talk about the Baylor game uh, from the homecoming. Hello? Clint. Hey, what's up? How's it going, man? This is Kyle Porter, and, and Carson's with me as well. What's up, Clint? Cool. How's it going, guys? Good. You guys, um, you guys were prank calling me. I got a no-caller ID. I was like, what the heck? 
No, it's just uh, it's just our Skype. Um, well, hey, we are uh, we're in the middle of a conversation about Mike Gundy taking his shirt off. So, what where were you when you when you uh, first saw that, and what was your first thought when you saw it? Oh man, I uh, let's see, I was in Stillwater. I was actually at the movies. That's where I was. I went with my family to go see American Made, which was uh, pretty good. Not, not not terrible. And I the team buses were there, and I was like, oh, the whole team's here. And then I saw Mike Gundy was taking his shirt off. I was like, well, maybe he's not at the movie, because I don't think he'd be taking his shirt off in the middle <laughs> of the theater. And then I realized that him and Mason had gone to the homecoming in hoops. But, um, yeah, that was wild. I, you know, I don't – I've never seen I, that really that side of – of Gundy, I think, you know, in the last couple of years, he kind of opened up more and started doing stuff like that, which is awesome. But uh, I was really, really pretty shocked that he did that in front of an entire uh, stadium full of people. So, Clint, was he, like, more, like, regimented, more, like, drill sergeant when you were the coach? This is kind of a recent phenomenon? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, not really a, a drill sergeant type guy, but he just, um, you know, he's pretty – pretty hands off. I think, you know, com- conversations that I've had with people and uh, I think it's documented on the radio show or on radio that, uh, you know, with, with Holgerson and, and Munkin and those guys, um, they just didn't, they wanted their own, they wanted their own uh, offense and wanted to have all the control. So he just really wasn't around a lot. You know, you never really saw that mullet uh, rattlesnake hunt inside of him. He just, you know, <laughs> he's more of a, a business guy. And um, I think, at that time, there was probably, um, you know, different pressures and, and uh, you know, constraints that he had, and then, you know, now he's he's kind of embraced that personality and, and grown it, and I think it's you know it's awesome for for Oklahoma State. Well, he talked about you a little bit on uh, yesterday on Monday. He talked about Josh Fields and Zach and and uh, Brandon Whedon and uh, talked about you a little bit. I'm curious, just what your relationship was like with him, uh, him having played obviously quarterback at OSU and kind of lived the life that, that you lived for a couple of years. What, what was your interaction with him like and, and uh, how much has that continued after uh, graduating from there? Oh, uh, you know, it kind of goes back to, to what I was just saying. He, we, you know, we really didn't have a relationship. Um, you know, we were, always with the offensive coordinators at practice, he would be kind of on the other end of the field. Um, you know, thankfully I was never in trouble, so I didn't really ever have to go, go up and explain <laughs> myself or talk to him in his office in that setting. Um, you know, we had a few conversations, um, where, you know, we, we disagreed on some things obviously about, you know, uh, you know, I felt like I should be playing. And, um, so we had a couple conversations like that, but really other than that, uh, there wasn't really a, too much of a relationship between us. Um, and it was kind of like that with, with most players. So it's not like um, that I was just singled out as, as someone he didn't talk to. It just at the time, he hadn't really, um, I guess, opened up as much. I knew, you know, talking with, with Brandon um, at the time, Brandon would go see him being an older guy. You know, it's a little bit of a different situation than, you know, what I was in. He was a 28-year-old and uh, more mature. And, and so he would have, uh, I think, quite a few more conversations with Mike than any of us, which was understandable. But um, yeah, as far as relationship between us, there just really wasn't a whole lot of interaction. Who recruited you, Clint? I mean, I know you, you mentioned Todd Munkin and, and Dana Holgerson, but I, I assume you grew up kind of an OSU guy being there in Enid, but who, who recruited you and what was your process coming to Stillwater? Like, I can't quite remember. Yeah, so uh, Coach Brewer, Gunnar Brewer was, was the main guy who recruited me. Um, and, you know, he really, he was our guy, you know, I mean, we loved Coach Brewer. Um, he, he was down to earth, you know, he'd call my parents, talk to my parents, come eat with us, um, just really a, a great human being, and that's really what we liked. Um, so he was he was the main recruiter. Um, Coach Gundy, when they offered me, he did, he came over for a, for a, a dinner, um, and this is a pretty good story. We went of all places, and this tells you kind of where Enid at is. Enid's at as far as restaurants. We went to Applebee's, <laughs> and <laughs> so that's where he told me that they were going to offer me. Um, but 
but really it was mainly Coach Brewer. Um, and, you know, it, it, it kind of fit perfectly because at the time my brother was uh, switching from, you know, going from Indiana to Oklahoma State, and Brewer was the receivers coach. So he had that relationship in place where he, you know, was getting to know my brother as well. So it just kind of – we fell in love with him. Um, like you said, we, we being from Enid, uh, I was an OSU fan. Uh, you know, most of my life I'll say there are pictures out there my entire mom's side of my family are OU fans. I mean, through and through, cheer for me to do well. Hope we lose to OU when when I'm starting and when I when I was starting. So um, I, I was I was at some OU games in my younger days when I was a little brainwashed. But uh, yeah, that was we don't we don't like to talk about that too much. I'm curious, I saw Baker Mayfield was talking about this recently, just in terms of seeing what college coaches, kind of the the life that they lead and, and how difficult it is. Did, did being, did seeing what those guys do in terms of recruiting and coaching, did that uh, make you want to coach more or less? And, and how much did you, did you ever think about, I, 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 believe you you helped coach a little bit at Enid if I'm if I'm not mistaken and just just what was what was that like seeing those college coaches up close oh man yeah that that would uh it, that's an easy it made me want to coach less um for sure you know I felt like um seeing those guys lifestyle seeing how often they're on the road um away from your family and then you know on top of that your, your job security I mean you're relying on 18 to 22 year olds for your job and your livelihood. And if it goes wrong, you know, then you've got to uproot your family and move possibly across country. And then as a young guy, it's tough, tough to break through. You know, I mean, I see a lot of guys that I know that are in the business now and they're GAs and they're like, man, this is such a grind. We're, we're still quality control guys at 26, 27 years old, still trying to break through. Um, but at the same time, I felt like, um, you know, I had a lot of knowledge to give to younger kids, and that's kind of, like you mentioned, what I wanted to do with uh, Enid High. And so I I did coach there for a year, um, and even then it was just, you know, going to JV games, going to <laughs> – it just – it wasn't right for me. It wasn't a good fit. Um, yeah. And so, I, you know, I transitioned more to quarterback lessons, and so um, I felt like that would be my way of staying connected to the game outside of the radio show and being able to kind of give back. Can I go back to Applebee's real quick? Um, it's like was it after, night lights. Please don't. Was it after the appetizers that he offered? Was it at the check? Like how did how that whole thing work? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was uh, – so we sat down. We go in and, you know, it's my parents and I and, and Coach Gunny meets us there. Uh, Sands the mullet, of course. Um I think it would have we would have fit in a lot better had he had that at the time but um <laughs> so we you know we sit down and, and we're having drinks we're not drinks we're having, i'm having water and they're having iced tea and you know before any food came this is going to be i know that i know where you're going this is kind of just like a little uh a precursor but so we're sitting there hanging out and he just went out and said hey so we're going to go ahead and offer you and then my mom started crying and that's kind of how the whole situation happened but yeah it was at, at the old applebee's i I think I had a Oreo shake afterwards for dessert, and then, you know, we went on about our lives that day. But uh, yeah, it was it was a quite a I would assume a weird kind of uh, experience, maybe or offering of a scholarship. Hey, we're at Applebee's. We're going to offer you. All right, thanks. <laughs> pass that, pass the rolls. That, <laughs> that's uh, I think that's where Tim Riggins got offered a a uh, college scholarship as well. Um, Funny story, Clint, I actually stayed in Enid the day before I got married because I got married in Hennessy. And uh oh. I might have eaten at that Applebee's. I'm not I'm not sure about that. But Well there's only one. Yeah. Yeah, there's only one. So Yeah. It's a, I, it's kind of a it's it's kind of a weird deal because it's a you know those uh those like A and W Long John Silver combos? It's gotta be like <laughs> I don't see how anybody ever eats there until they're still open, but so it's a, it's not a, they're not adjoined in the building, but they have joining parking lots, and it's a Chili's Applebee's combo. So you can really, you know, you got two solid choices right next. Oh to yeah, that's incredible. Um, well, hey, what what did you think about um, Oklahoma State's bounce back against Baylor? Obviously, 
Uh, they struggled a little bit in their first two Big 12 games and then just really throttled Baylor. Um, just what were your takeaways from, from that game? You know, uh, with Baylor, it's weird, and I think it's been mentioned a few times about, you know, they're a lot better than uh, their record would indicate. Um, the thing with Baylor is, is that they still have those athletes, and that's something that uh, I mentioned in, in the pregame show, is uh, any team that has athletes like that is going to be able to compete at some point. You know, it's like a it's like a puzzle. It's like a weekly puzzle. Those coaches, if they can get the pieces right on their game plan with those athletes, they'll have some success and they'll play some teams close. And, um, you know, for Baylor that week, they're – it just didn't mesh up. You know, they, they didn't have the right game plan to get those guys maybe in space on offense and, and to kind of limit our, our ability to score, you know, especially going deep on, on defense. But, um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was, I thought we played well. Um, you know, it's a, a team that, um, at home having lost one game already, that's a team that you kind of need to throttle at home and especially going into this week. Um, you know, I was, I was really, I guess, proud of, of the way they handled that, you know, losing to Baylor three straight times and then coming out and kind of riding the ship a little bit. Clint, I'm interested to hear your perspective on, on the quarterbacks. Obviously, we know Mason's, you know, an All-American type quarterback, but I think everyone's kind of looking ahead to next year. Just how do you see the the backups they have on campus? Just how do you think that position will play out next season based on, you know, being around the team and everything? Yeah, you know, that, that it, it's a weird... Um, a weird dynamic. Coach Gundy has never been a guy, at least um, when I was there, and it's changed a little bit, obviously, this week, but um, he, he typically didn't get his backups too, many, too much playing time. I remember we'd be up in games uh, when Whedon was there, and I would go in for like maybe you know one or two series at the very, very end, and, and so it's good to see that he got Cornelius some more playing time this week to see kind of what he could do, and with Keandre and um, you know, I, I really, I'm like everybody else. I'm kind of in the dark. I think the thought was that one T was going to be the the backup and be the main guy and uh, kind of have a leg up going into next year. But uh, you just never know. I mean, coming from me, I think you know anything could happen in an off season. So uh, it's it's a weird situation. It's obviously going to be be a, a some big shoes to fill for one of those guys. So I understand how that goes. But um, yeah, I don't. I wish there was more you know, more information available, but I just haven't, I haven't, you know, heard a whole lot and, and haven't been able to get to practice and see those guys. I'm curious, there's kind of been a little bit of, I don't want to say blowback, but I, I know that some Oklahoma State fans think that maybe Rudolph is not, uh, maybe he's helped out more by his receivers, uh, that, that maybe they make him look better than he actually is or, or something like that. Uh, I've always said he's been pretty good, and I, I'm just curious in terms of you've played that position, you know what it's like. Do you feel like he's as good as his numbers show, or, or do you or do you feel like his his receipt like sometimes his inaccuracies are uh, covered up by some of those All American receivers? Uh, you know, I would I would tend to be in the crowd that says um, that maybe some of the inaccuracy issues are covered up by those receivers. Um, I, that's not taking anything away from Mason. He's he's definitely a great player and, um, you know, going to be an NFL-type guy. Um, but having those guys, and that's kind of always the the bugaboo with quarterbacks is, is you know, are they carrying the team? Are they the ones that's, that are getting held out by receivers? Are they they're going to take all the heat for the loss? But is it their fault? They're going to get all the credit for the win. Um, so it's always tricky with quarterbacks. I think uh, with Mason, you know, he's gotten certainly gotten better each year, and I think that's what um, is going to be key, at least for him going forward and, and trying to play at the next level. Um, his inaccuracy, especially on um, intermediate throws, I feel like that's where he has the most room to improve. And, um, you know, with, with James and Marcel and those guys, their catch radius is just so big. And, um, you know, it, that's always going to be – kind of penalty against him is like hey your receivers are, are so good hey are, are they helping you out um i, I tend to, to think that uh mason is, is more accurate than um kind of what he's what he's shown recently um you know he, he it seems like he misses a lot of throws intermediately and high and you know, i don't know if that's something to do with 
Uh, he's feeling some pressure up front. Um, he, he's not as confident with those guys up front with some of them injured. Um, but, yeah, it's always tricky with quarterbacks. I think you look at um, Manziel and, and Mike Evans. You know, I, Mike Evans in college wasn't nearly as tattered as he is in the pros, and, and it's kind of showing that, hey, maybe Manziel, all those throws he's throwing it up to, maybe if Mike Evans was a stud. So um, I think it's kind of a similar situation, but uh, Mason, at the end of the day, is a great player. You mentioned Taylor Cornelius. He showed a little uh, get-away-from-the-cop speed, Clint. I mean, uh, how often do people bring that up to you, the get-away-from-the-cop speed thing? Oh, you know, when we played Tech, I probably heard it every single day that week, especially, you know, with Gus Johnson <laughs> on the call at Tech, you know. And then, and then Mason goes out and has a couple of rushing touchdowns, and it was just uh, the perfect storm to hear it probably every day that week and then the following <laughs> Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, it gets brought up quite a bit. Uh, Oklahoma State going to Texas this weekend. They've won there four times in a row. Uh, you quarterbacked uh, one of those. Um, just what's it? How difficult is it? And and Gundy mentioned this on Monday, but you're going to Texas. They've got, I think, overall probably most people would say better quote unquote athletes than Oklahoma State. How difficult is it going in knowing you're going to face guys that are bigger, faster, maybe stronger than a lot of your guys, and just trying to, as you said earlier, put the puzzle pieces together to to get a win. Yeah, it's tough, and in Texas is always going to have those athletes, and always they should be the most athletic team. Um, and like you said, what I mentioned about Baylor really hits home for this week too. You know, you we've seen Texas so far play good teams close. Um, you know, outside of Maryland, they've whenever they've had the game plan together, they've kind of got got it right that week. They've got the players to to play with anybody, and so that that always makes them dangerous. Um, I would feel as a, as a quarterback uh, really good about our athleticism, especially on offense. Um, you know, obviously we've, we've hit on the receivers, but I think Justice Hill is an absolute stud. I saw your I saw your Twitter poll today. I was looking through there. I was like, man, that's that's such a close close deal between those four running backs. Uh, but but I'm enamored with Justin Hill. Justice, I think he's he's going to be a, a really good player for us. For you know, he's already been, but for a long time and even an NFL type guy. So um, as a quarterback and from my perspective, I would feel good about our athletes against their defense. Um, you know, their guys on, on the offensive side of the ball, get those guys in space for, for Texas. But um, you know, it just, it's always tough playing down there. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed playing at Texas. Uh, it wasn't, but it once was, you know, they, they've had a little attendance issues and they've got a nice big locker room. They treat, Get you well down there. It's not like you're crammed in the Iowa pink locker room. So, um, yeah, <laughs> Texas is always tough. You know, like you said, they've got athletes in, in all the positions, and if they get it right, they're going to be tough to beat. Clint, one of the greatest mysteries of OSU football in my lifetime was the game in which you started the season in 2013. They pulled you after like a series or maybe two series. Uh, I'm sure that was like one of the most difficult times you ever went through. But just how how rewarding was it for you to not only get the job back to have the season you had, that huge win over Baylor, and really you led the game-winning drive in Bedlam as well to win a Big 12 title. Just how, how rewarding was it for you personally to overcome what was obviously a huge disappointment and have the great season that you ended up having? Oh, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, that's. You know, behind um, watching my brother score the touchdown in the Fiesta Bowl, uh, which, you know, obviously he didn't really score, but I still kind of – Oh, he scored. He Uh, scored all right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's kind of the – those are the two things that that I'll really always remember about Oklahoma State. You know, uh, the first year uh, when when Westlund and and JW were ahead of me, I knew – you know, that I had a couple options that uh, I could transfer or I could stick it out, and I decided to stick it out. And then for it to happen again, you know, my senior year, that was really the painful one. Uh, that first that first game against uh, Mississippi State, I just kind of felt like I was, I was left a little bit hung out to dry there. Um, and, you know, for it to work back, at that point I couldn't, I couldn't leave. You know, it was my senior year. There was no – I had no options. I was handcuffed. Um, and so for it to come back around and, and – you get to play and have a few good games. And like you said, the Baylor game was, was awesome. Just, 
was really rewarding. And, um, you know, being from uh, Enid, you know, really close to Stillwater, it was, it was just a kind of a, a fairy tale ending for, for what had kind of been a, a really disappointing uh, few years. So, yeah, it was, it was tough, but, um, you know, that, that makes us kind of stronger people, I think. Yeah, that's a good lesson for everybody just to stick it out and keep working. But, hey, before we let you go, Clint, let everybody know uh, what kind of radio work you're doing and where they can hear you and everything. Yeah, I'm uh, doing the pregame show with, with uh, John Holcomb and, and Dion Amade are, are covering all sides segments on, on the OSU pregame show. I think it's a – you know, I this is going to sound terrible, but I think it's a different – or I know it's a different radio station in every – in every city about so people ask me that all the time and i have a little website from the from that dave gave us that, that kind of shows the list but uh, it's it's the pregame show the main pregame show with, with dave hunziker robert allen and john holcomb uh we have a, a 15 minute segment where dion and i kind of preview the upcoming opponent i talk about their defense and kind of what we need to do to attack it he talks about uh their their offense and ways to kind of create turnovers mismatches uh what what a defender's thinking that week so um doing that uh working here living in enid and just kind of hanging out getting my golf game ready going to Applebee's. yeah how is the golf game uh ooh, you know actually so i'm i'm like a i i float around like a 10 to 12 handicap i'm not i'm not great I'm getting better consistency is re- really my issue there's days where i go out and play really well but it always seems like I, I, I didn't play for like three weeks. So football season started, got busy, and I went out last week and shot the best nine holes. That's all I could play because there was a wedding on the course. But um, shot the best hole, best nine holes that I've shot all year. So it's, you know, I put in all this practice. I feel like, and then I go out and play terrible, and then I don't play for three weeks and shoot the best round. So <laughs> I, I'm still confused on the golf, golf, uh, golf game. But uh, it's getting better, I guess. It's a work in progress. Well, you well, play I, with Epstein, he'll bring your game down real quick. I played <laughs> with Evan Epstein last week, and he just he sh- shattered all my confidence. His bad juju rubbed off on me. Yeah, yeah. You watch a swing like that, and you're going to get worse. I mean, there's no other. <laughs> there's really no other option. <laughs> I agree. Uh, that's great. I heard somebody say one time: no matter who you are, you're always uh, you always. Uh, feel like you're inconsistent like you you always struggle with inconsistent like you, you always think you could have played better like whether you're me trying to shoot a turn a 90 into an 87 or you're justin thomas trying to you know if he shoots a 59 he's like ah, it could have been a 57 you know if i make the, the one yeah, putt, he's always, so. yeah i missed i missed two putts <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i uh golf is golf is weird and that's it's something that keeps me um, you know, on my toes, uh, there's not really a lot left. I play pickup basketball to stay in shape, but golf is really the only thing that you can kind of compete at now that you're done playing. And, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, my inconsistency is, uh, not just, um, mentally or, or kind of what you were talking about. I mean, I really am just super inconsistent. Like I was playing the other day and I was even through four holes and then, I hit my next tee shot on five, six, and seven out of bounds, and then I was just like done for the round. So, yeah, my it, it's it's pretty. Uh, I'm pretty wild out there. Clint, Clint, we appreciate you having on, man. Uh, our guest of the week is sponsored by Coop Ale Works. Do you ever have a Coop beer, and if so, what's your what's your favorite kind? Um, no, you know, I don't really. I've been really jamming on the uh, Stilly Wheat recently. I know that's probably not what you want to hear, but um, <laughs> I have had. Uh, I have had, I think, I thought it was co-op. Maybe I guess that's just from being from Enid. I don't <laughs> yeah. know a lot of their beers. I've drank, I've, I've definitely drank them before, and it was good, but I can't list any of them off the top of my head. Well, if you like the wheat beer, they have a great one called the Elevator. So we'll we'll give you the Elevator. How about that one? Yeah, yeah. I'm always I'm always down to try some beers. <laughs> All right, we'll have to do that soon, Clint. Hey, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Clint. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Talk to you later. Okay, we're back with Carson. Um, a lot of a lot of good stuff there. A lot of, a lot yeah, of good great things stuff. we have to discuss. Uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, just what he said about uh, you know Rudolph's receivers, and and that's not like a I don't know that's not a I don't think it's a hot take or a big secret. Like Rudolph has great receivers that, and I think you especially see it on on deep passes. Like he underthrows a lot of deep passes and. 
James Washington makes him look really, really good. Uh, but I, I wanted to hear it more from a, a guy who's played the position, his perspective, uh, and not just me, you know, watching college football every Saturday. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because Brian Keating and I were talking about this this week. Um, I wonder how much the coaches tell him to underthrow those just deep passes because think about it. Like, Aitman and Washington are going to win that battle every time. And then if they, you know, if you underthrow it, they can come back and get it and the, the cornerback can run into them and interfere. Just a lot can happen. I think you give your guy more of a chance to underthrow it than overthrow. So I don't know if that's just Mason being told to do that or if he just has the tendency to underthrow. But it is interesting how you mentioned their, their catch radiuses are just so massive that it can mask a lot of, you know, inaccuracies with, with the throws. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it was interesting to hear his perspective for sure. Aitman is kind of Mike evans isn't he? Yes, absolutely he is. He's not as, like, bulky, but he has the height for sure and can, has definitely has the ball skills to go get it. Yeah. So I, I don't know if... That'd be an interesting question for Mason. Do you, do you tend to underthrow on purpose because it gives your receiver more of a chance? I would think it. I would think so because if you overthrow it, then they don't have any chance. Yeah, and, and and to be fair, I think that people talk more about like Clint said the the intermediate throws than the deep throws. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that that's that's always been Mason's kind of bugaboo, yeah. hasn't it? But yeah. uh, I was I, I was really interested to hear his his take on you know that. When they benched him after like the first series, do you remember that? That was just bizarre. Yeah, Miss- Mississippi State and uh, his they had two three uh, and outs, I believe, and then they put in Walsh. Yeah, and Colton tweeted about it because Colton had graduated, I think. Yeah, and that tweet ended up on like Deadspin or something. It it wasn't a great it wasn't a great day. Um, they ended no, up no, but it, it, it's amazing how. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's just amazing how you know, everything he overcame, like he was third string behind uh, Lunt and Walsh. And honestly, he, he should have won the big 12 championship. The defense just gets one stop. Mm-hmm. Like, and he, I've always said about Clint, and, uh, you know, he, he really had OU beat twice. If his defense yeah. gets two stops, he wins what? Two big 12 titles. 12 and 13. Nah, they, they wouldn't have won it in 12. They went like 8 and 5 in, in 2012. Oh, that's right. But the, he would have beaten OU twice, which, you know, only uh, Fields, I guess, is done in the Gundy era. So, or Gundy slash Miles era. Yeah. Rudolph has a chance. Maybe two chances this year. Maybe two. <laughs> but no, it was, it was great to catch up with Clint, and he's obviously a good dude and great quarterback. He had a great career. He really did, you know, and this is sort of my deal. I know they're not the same player or even maybe type of player, but with Taylor Cornelius, people are like, oh, he's not going to play, he's not going to play. And it's like, well, people kept saying that about Shelf too, and he was pretty awesome when he was in there. You know, like he, like you said, like he led a Big 12 title winning drive. And then, you know, obviously the, the Justin Gilbert dropped the pick or whatever, but – Everything the the Big Twelve title was on the line. Clint Shelf goes whatever it was, six or seven plays, and they score to th- presumably at the time win the Big Twelve title. That's a big deal, and it's I, I don't know. Like you you just and Gundy's big on this. You don't know what you're getting until you roll a guy out there under the lights with with you know on on the big stage. So I, I just think that everything with the quarterback next year is 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 uh, totally up in the air. And, and like he said, we don't know what's going to happen year to year. Yeah, and he's a perfect example of how you can't just write off Taylor Cornelius, as you mentioned. I mean, I, I tend to want to do that. But, I mean, if he's the best guy, and but but it kind of kind of illustrates Gundy's indecisiveness, though, doesn't it? Just hearing Clint talk about everything. I mean, that that's going to be fascinating next season, what they do at quarterback. I know Spencer Sanders was riding around on a golf cart. He was like a you know, big man on campus already, but uh, he'll have to beat out some, some guys on the roster already. Again, he might ask him to take his shirt off at, at uh, freshman orientation. Who knows? <laughs> he better do it if he wants the job. Uh, we, <laughs> we need to talk, uh, we need to talk uniforms, Carson. Uh, God, we, we could go for like three hours today, by the way. Yeah, we let's could. get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on campus corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. I got to give a shout out to Chris's. They've done a, such a good job of 
uh, printing and distributing our shirts. Uh, we talked about this, I think maybe last week, but just great customer service. They're fast. Um, yeah, they've been awesome. So shout out to them and give me your thoughts on the 19, what did we decide it was? 1960s helmet that they rolled out there. I almost, I almost picked this helmet Carson and I got scared. Like Gundy said about Rudolph, I got scared at the last minute. Yeah, and you also picked like orange, black, white, and got scared off that too. So you were just wow. you were just all over the place. I, I was out of my world. Yeah, I thought the helmets were absolutely perfect. I'm like I know Southwell wants us to rank the homecoming helmets, and I'm gonna have a hard time with that because I thought the 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 font on the numerals was spectacular. The stripe was awesome, but for for me, Kyle, what really set it off was as you mentioned the the O state on the front. Uh, that, that old O state logo is kind of near and dear to me because my dad took me to old Gallagher growing up and that's the logo that used to be kind of on the middle of the floor. Remember that? The yeah. giant O state. With oh the yeah. State that was, to the o. They should bring that back. It's, it's very similar to the Ohio state logo. So maybe that's why we don't see it anymore. Maybe that might be like, you know, they're part of their little agreement they came to. But that logo always, you know, brings back memories for me, and I thought that was awesome. The the numbers were spectacular. The stripe was awesome, and I loved the gray face mask. That made it yep. look even more throwbacky. I loved the Colts when they switched to the gray face mask instead of the blue face mask when Peyton Manning was playing there. I, I just think it's a clean look with the gray face mask. So yeah, it was perfect, and it it went so well with the socks. The socks matched the stripe. I mean, it was a plus for me all the way around. Yep, I agree. It was it was spectacular. I, I it's it's uh, I'm prisoner at the moment, but it was I've ranked it as my favorite uh, homecoming helmet in the last four years. I went um, this one, the diagonal OSU that we saw in 2015, then the black we saw last year, and then fourth the the Bronco, which is absurd because the Bronco is awesome, but I couldn't I couldn't rank it ab- above any of the other three. Um, so yeah, they've been the lights out. By the way, I I uh, I thought I had done this. I I have a post on PFB from three years ago. I ranked all the uh, the courts in Galagraba or the uh, floors in Galagraba history. Mm-hmm. And the the O state that that uh, you mentioned it was the 1993 to 2000 version. So that would have been our our childhood. And I've got it ranked third behind uh, one from the 50s and one from the early 80s. Yeah, I remember that post. Uh, I think they had more just black and white floors back then, the one you're in 93 to 2000. That was black and white, which yeah. was cl- clean as hell. And then the O stayed in the middle was awesome. So You, you don't miss, you need, the, you need, uh, you don't miss uh, the shaded, the, the orange and black Faded. The product on the the product on the floor was so good that we were willing to overlook that atrocity. <laughs> I mean, they were going to the Final Four, so nobody really cared at the time. There wasn't as many out there wasn't as much outrage as there would be like right now, you know. So you yeah. also wrote a post ranking all the helmets. Are you going to do that again? That'd be like a fifty part series. Well, it it will be, and I I don't even. It's too hard. I wrote this. It's too difficult to to do it. I, I don't even know. You're putting in like elite helmets in like outside the top ten now. I mean, it's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, I but just... I, I still rank I still rank the black brand throwback helmet as my number one. The old school brand, the stickers on the back were was from a last year. Touch. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty that's good. Still my favorite. I mean, I don't. And I that's don't... the last time we saw the brand too. I could be talked into any combination of the four that's how good the the homecoming helmets have been and you know hayden barber mentioned this in our slide chat they've done such a good job and i think you and i have talked about this before they've done such a good job of meshing the old with the new that's hard to do like you you see some teams like maybe they get a throwback helmet and it looks just kind of stupid with their with the new uniforms oklahoma states looks like it fits you know it's it's uh it's been really impressive what they've done and I'm I'm all for them wearing that helmet, any of those helmets, more often. Yeah, for sure. The the socks really kind of they can't do a throwback uniform, so they did a great job with the socks to try and make those throwbacky as well. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, I I love the font on that helmet so much. I wouldn't mind seeing those on a jersey. I, I thought those were awesome. Yeah, yeah, I um, totally totally. Agree. And you 
you kind of messed up. I watched your uh, Periscope uh, after the game on the way home. I was, I was driving at like 1 a.m. Um, you thought McCluskey didn't have a number on his helmet? Yeah. <laughs> he, ha- he has the number one. He has the number one. I know. <laughs> so it's really it was, small. It was so thin. I c- I c- at first glance, I didn't see it. I went back afterwards and looked, and I was like, oh, I screwed that up because he, he definitely <laughs> has it on there. Um, but, yeah, the one, the one on there looked pretty cool. Uh, okay, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we will come back and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Um, final takeaways from I, I, I want to talk about. Te- Who's your silver medal? Uni Heisman. Oh. Uh, you, do you I've have got one? mine. Okay, go. Yeah, ahead. I think we've we've kind of solidified. I think who the silver medalist is every week too. It's uh, Trey Flowers. Yeah. And he pulls it off, which it's hard to be tall and lanky and still pull off the Uni Heisman, but he does it. He has like. A million wristbands. He pulls the socks pretty high. Uh, he just he looks awesome at, at safety. He he stands out immediately when you're watching a game. And I think my bronze medalist. I got a bronze too, Kyle. I went back and watched the game. Uh, Giassi Akim looks like you created him on NCAA on Xbox. Well, like yes, he's perfect. I agree. You you. I mentioned him earlier in the year about how like Oklahoma State is not supposed to have backups that look like him you know like he is he's a monster you know he got his first interception on uh on saturday he's a he's a beast i'm i'm really impressed with just the depth of guys that they have um at at those defensive positions you know i'm gonna go a little off the board here with my silver medalist um I'm gonna go with uh, with James Washington. Okay, he keeps it. Pretty I thought the, I thought the I thought the 28. Like for some reason, maybe it's just because it's James Washington. But I thought the numeral on his helmet 28 looked the coolest out of everybody's. Yeah, I don't know. it was cool. He keeps it really simple. Um, with just the gloves and the and the uh, and the socks, not a lot of wristbands or anything. But he's got that really small face mask. It almost it almost looks like a like a Dan Bailey face mask. Um, he, he I think it's the same like, one that Rudolph wears. It's it's tiny. Like it, like it looks like he's a kicker. Like if you just saw him like from the neck up, you'd be like, oh, that guy's a kicker. And then he's out, you know, putting up. See, it's two. not it's not small though. It's the exact same one that Rudolph wears. It's just but I'm looks saying different on him, it, I guess. It's like short. Like it's hmm. not like uh, I don't I don't really know stand out as far. I got you. yeah I yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with James Washington. He doesn't get talked a lot about in terms of uh uni silver medal well I, I need to has anyone ever asked him why he wears 28 that's such an uh, odd number for a receiver yes hayden hayden interviewed him earlier this year and he wears it uh he got it from i think it was his uh like a cousin in high school wore it and he always wanted to be like him so he's just always worn it <laughs> that's awesome yeah. that's so james washington isn't it just yeah i'm gonna wear 28 regardless yeah. of what i'm doing exactly that's awesome it was a great story. Um, so yeah, you, so you went back and watched it. What just? I mean, were you more impressed with the defense or the offense? Oh, I the defense got off to a slow start, but obviously did well to hold them to some field goals. I just I don't know how you don't pick the offense. Just the the how dynamic they are and how quickly they can score, and just how it felt like every time they touched the ball it was going to be a touchdown. Even when Washington had that uncharacteristic fumble like the announcers were like well it's a good thing they fumble because they were going to score another touchdown if you're Baylor <laughs> so I just uh I thought they were just so explosive um I still have a little bit of concerns about the running game I know Justice broke the long one but just on a down-to-down basis doesn't seem like their yards per carry 
if you take out the you know the one he broke, like it doesn't seem like they're getting as much yards as they were earlier in the season in the running game. That's a, just a slight nitpick, but man, they're loaded. They have so many weapons, and I know Mason had some high balls, whatever. He threw for four fifty-seven, so I thought it was a, it was a great day, and and really Baylor. They played OU tough, as we've talked about ad nauseum, and you know that's a good win. Yeah, it's a great win. I, uh, yeah, Justice was great. He only ran it like fourteen times, which I think was good to see. Uh, they got they got some more JD King. Did you like Justice in the Wildcat? I didn't see that. I kind of breezed through it on YouTube. He, he, he ran, ran the Wildcat. It, he ran it two or three times. Uh, once on a fourth and one, they lined Mason up out wide and. Uh, yeah, they just said, "Hey, we're we're running it, and we're going to get a first down." And they barely got it, but it was See, interesting. I think running the wildcat with Justice is almost like when they tried to to run Walsh on like fourth and one just by himself instead of like with zone reads and stuff because he's just not big enough to overpower. So I'd, I'd much rather see JD King doing that. Yeah, and I think I think uh, your such and company listened to our post game at Tech when I said <laughs> get JD, JD King the ball in the red zone because he's going to score. He's going to run over people. I loved seeing that, and I loved the. Uh, I almost wish they wouldn't have bro- broke this out against Baylor, but how they they had Washington out wide, then then he went in motion into the backfield, then back out wide for the easy touchdown. Like that's a great so wrinkle good. they can use in the red yeah. zone. Like I loved that. So. It's obvious that they've the hours they've put into figuring out the red zone paid off, and they need to come up with some more wrinkles because you know they they used a couple against Baylor. I meant to ask Clint what he thinks about Yursich, just the lightning rod that he is. Um, so yeah, aren't they I, number I, one in the nation in yards? Number one in the nation in yards. Fire Yursich, fire him. No, they're number two in points. They've got the number one quarterback in the nation, number one receiver. And the number like twenty running back. I mean, it's like you literally have the best offense in the country right now. What what do you what do you want? Like, what do you want to yeah. happen? TCU. Yeah, no, I get it. Like, That's I understand. <laughs> I understand totally. Um, well, and that that leads me to Texas, Kyle. I think Texas would be fools not to do what TCU did in that. You know, they they run the run pass option where they count numbers in the box and it determines largely if they're going to run it or pass it. I would put numbers in there that say run. And then I would let my D-line go to work against OSU's offensive line, which is still kind of banged up right now without Brad Lumblade. Yeah. So I think that's that's something I'm not so sure how much success they're going to have running the ball against Texas, which is obviously a big concern. Yeah, and, and I'm interested to see if, you know, I, I, are they going to follow the – because they have the athletes to do this. T- TCU, the issue of TCU is they had a lot of fast – uh, defensive backs and linebackers. And so they were able to sort of take away those short and intermediate passes and force Rudolph to try to throw it 60 yards down the field and then, you know, hope you can break it up or, or whatever. And it worked. And is that, is that going to, is, is Texas going to do that? You know, in, in passing situations, I, I, I don't, I, I think they could. And, you know, I, the Texas game is going to be so interesting because if you're Oklahoma state, what number do you need to hit to win? Like you probably need, I don't know if you hit, if you hit uh 40, you feel really good about winning. Um, if you hit 35, you feel pretty good about it, you know? And, and it seems like you should be able to do that with this offense. But as we saw against TCU, it's not a given. No, it's not a given at all. And I was at the OU Texas game and they didn't ask Ellinger to do anything throwing the ball downfield against he, OU, which was, which was shocking. He doesn't. He doesn't do anything downfield. I mean, I don't. Maybe he can't. I don't know. Um, but they they need to be pressuring him the whole game. Like, and and the, here's the thing, Carson. Your boy Adam Lunt wrote about this. They have they have the athletes now on offense, or excuse me, on defense to do that. Calvin Oklahoma State hasn't had a Calvin Bundage at linebacker before. They haven't had a Justin Phillips in terms of speed before. Like those guys can get after Ellinger and and limit, you know, what he's able to do and and I hope they do it. I hope they don't just sit back and let him pick up third and thirteens all day. Yeah, and the, the key for OU against him was their their D line got pressure. On top of obviously Oboe, their stud linebacker that rushes, but their D line really kind of whipped Texas's offensive line, which is more banged up than OSU's right now. 
So I think the D line getting pressure on Ellinger will be will be key, and it just the, the Texas game planning. And so you reminded me a lot of Bedlam last year. They didn't ask Ellinger to throw the ball downfield at all, and that's like OU's biggest weakness. So I think yeah. I think we're going to see a different offense out of Texas against OSU. But um, I was at the you know the OU Texas game as I mentioned, Kyle, and, and Jordan Spieth was there on the sideline. Yeah, he's tall. He's taller than I thought. He's like six one. He's pretty big. He's, I thought he was he, like Ricky. I thought he was no. like Ricky's height. He's like. He's like, uh, I think he might be a little bigger than I am. He's pretty thick, too. Yeah, he's 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, that was shocking to me. I thought he was Ricky's size. But uh, no. what did you think of Ricky Fowler homecoming? We didn't talk about that. Yeah. Uh, it was... You're, you're anti-Ricky, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm not anti-Ricky. I, I'm definitely not anti-Ricky. He's always been really nice to me. And, and we have a, uh, I think, a good professional uh, working relationship. But... Um, the, it, it's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't have anything. I don't have anything bad to say. Like it was great. I don't, I, I don't like, I don't like how you always say he has the, uh, Oh, how did you phrase it on the blog? And you've said this before. He has the highest like approval rating per capita of actual like accomplishment of any athlete. How do you put that? Yeah. It, it's the highest ratio of, of achievement to adoration or adoration to achievement of any athlete in the world. And I think that that's more of like the golf, uh, writer slash nerd in me. That's like, come on guys. Like what's, and it's stupid. Like he, obviously people at Oklahoma state love him and that's a great thing. And I, I think that, I think being, this is something that I wrote. I think being Ricky Fowler is a lot harder than people understand. Um, a lot of young guys on tour talk about this. Like it's really hard to be Ricky Fowler, to be Jordan Spieth and for everyone to ask you, Hey, can I get 10 minutes? Can I get 15 minutes? Can I get an hour? You know, you, you, you only have some, everybody only has the same amount of time and those guys have to give up so much of it. And when they do that, it's hard to, it's hard to maintain being the seventh best player in the world. And Fowler does a great job of being thoughtful and, gracious while continuing to be really good at golf. And and I think that skill is it's really, really difficult. It's way more difficult than people understand. And he's he's become really good at it. Yeah. I mean I understand the golf world aspect of it, but but OSU, man, there's not a greater ambassador for OSU than him. So it was real I thought it was awesome to see him there, you know, rocking yeah. the the Oklahoma State shirt that he was wearing. It was pretty cool. Yeah, no, it was it was great, and uh, yeah, the, it, it, you know him being at homecoming and hoops was cool. And did you did you know? Do you remember a couple years ago when he brought uh, Justin Thomas to Stillwater? Is that when he rode like the dirt bike and stuff? I don't did know. Like a but dirt this, bike jump. This was before Justin Thomas had won um, an, an event. He was he was still Jordan Spieth's good friend, and uh, <laughs> now he's the number four player in the world. But yeah, Justin well, Thomas player of the year. Came to Stillwater a couple years ago. So. Was he yelling "Roll Tide" everywhere? Probably. That that'd be a fun. Uh, well, I don't know if it'd be fun, but it'd be a, a cool bowl matchup. I guess you'd have to get I'll, in the playoff for that to happen. Yeah, I'll never forget the Fiesta Bowl. You know, Tiger Woods is on the Stanford side for the coin toss, and Ricky Fowler is on OSU's. But and like Tiger's just wearing like a golf polo and slacks, and I like a Stanford hat, and Ricky's wearing. An actual authentic jersey with his a, name on it. <laughs> a Seth Newton. It was a Seth Newton jersey. That fifteen. I mean, it was number fifteen with Ricky's name on it. Yeah, yeah I guess yeah. I guess fifteen is like Ricky's number that he wants to wear. But just the difference in like attire. Ricky wearing an actual like from the equipment room jersey with his name on it. To <laughs> Tiger just wearing like a golf outfit <laughs> was hilarious. That was, great. that was before Ricky was really Ricky too. I mean, he was. He was known. I think he had won, but he wasn't like he wasn't like he is now. You know, with eighty thousand sponsorships and and the best uh, part of that though, the best part of that was Tiger was just like kind of smiling, like he's just there for the occasion. Ricky had like his game face on, like the players did at the coin oh, yeah. toss. He was like yeah. not he was not there to mince words with Tiger. He was there to win. <laughs> it was it was awesome. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, he he uh, he's great, and and like you said, I, I don't think that it would be difficult to choose a better ambassador as a professional athlete for Oklahoma State than than Fowler. So good for him yeah, for a, continuing to a, do that too, because he doesn't have to. That's that's all out of like 
hey, I just I want to do this because this place meant a lot to me. It's kind of amazing to me too. Like he's from California, was only on campus for two years, and he reps OSU harder than someone who grew up in Stillwater. It's kind of it's kind of amazing, really, how much he he represents OSU. He goes above and beyond. Yeah, obviously yeah. with the orange and everything, but but just the fact that he was only there two years is shows you kind of impact it had on him. Totally. Yeah, it was a great homecoming weekend. Uh, not as maybe not as much fun as our homecoming weekend last year, uh, in which we were there and and uh, under the under the palms, uh, um, the neon palms. I was sad I missed out on that this year, but it was still a great weekend. Um, a lot of fun. Big big boy stretch coming up: Texas, uh, West Virginia, OU, K- uh, Iowa State, Kansas State, and then you finish it off with Kansas. So it should be a lot of fun. We will be back on Thursday to do a, a live pod and uh, we appreciate Quinchell for coming on. That was great. He's, he's always fun to have on and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you on Thursday, Carson. Sounds good, man. See ya. All right, buddy. Talk to you then. See ya.